nya 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 pa mba babwe zimbabwe <clears throat> the broken bunsen burner burns so bright south jamie southeast asian peninsula hey, hey jamie yes i think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. So we've had two back-to-back races, Germany and Hungary. Guys, we know they were both thrilling races of a different kind. So we're going to talk about everything that's happened during and between these races. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. Mithila made a start, so I'm now making mine. But uh, we've had some really amazing races. We're going to speak about them. We're also going to speak about the summer break. And uh, two races, uh, much as I love the idea of back-to-back races, I just realized how taxing they are because I've literally gone from TV duties to written media and now to the podcast. Kunal, can you imagine how it is for the drivers then? <laughs> I'm sure they love it. I'm definitely. <laughs> apart what? from all the media work, I'm sure yeah. they love it. But guess what? You know, so we're probably going to have one more back-to-back racing weekend in 2020. So, because we might have 22 races next season, that's crazy. Yes, and although I must admit that it was actually strange to see Toto Wolf make the announcement of 22 races for 2020 rather than Liberty Media themselves. And I just really wonder if this is Wolf's biggest hint of, you know, him probably taking over from Chase Carey as the CEO of Formula One. Oh, yeah, we've anyway been talking about it on our podcast. Also, Formula 1 is in talks with Saudi Arabia to host a race there as well. Uh, We've said this before and I'll say it again, Formula E is just opening up so many potential host venues for Formula 1. So, Formula 1's taking drivers from Formula E. We've actually seen Alexander Albon make the switch last season. Uh, Next could be, you know, a few race venues here and there because eventually there are only so many racing venues that can host motorsport races. And then, of course, I think sometime in the future, Formula 1 will take the all-electric technology from Formula E as well. Mark my words, guys. We will do that. So, guys, in this week's episode, we have so much to talk about. We're going to talk about Max Verstappen, of course, and the change in the narrative in this year's Drivers' Championship. Is Nico Rosberg the new Jacques Villeneuve? That's literally the question that we should debate about. And why Captain Planet Sebastian Vettel should actually be racing in Formula E. Yeah, and we also tell Gunther Steiner what video clip he should show his drivers in their team briefing in Spa. And finally, we've got the Moments in Time section with Lucien. He reminds us of all the history created at Hungara Ring. And guys, there are a lot of interesting moments. Yes, so remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboom, Google Podcasts, Spotify and every other audio streaming platform on the internet for your weekly dose of Formula 1 humor, right? So, in the last five races, Max Verstappen has outscored Lewis Hamilton, 93 points to 88. Now, if only the Red Bull Racing Honda package 
was capable of challenging Mercedes at all venues. We would actually have a driver's championship battle this season. Max Verstappen is literally in the form of his life. Kunal, he's driving like a veteran and uh, hopefully sooner and before Lewis Hamilton decides to retire. I really hope we have a Hamilton versus Verstappen battle for the championship. Yes, because at least in 2019, I don't think we have a driver's championship. It's, it's going to be Lewis Hamilton and he could probably just literally pick and choose where he wants to sort of win the driver's championship. At least that's what it seems <laughs> while we enter the summer break. And maybe I'm getting greedy, Kunal, but I'd also love to see a Mercedes versus Red Bull racing battle. You know, two of the best teams when it comes to race management just going for it. Yeah, that's a little, like, honest. Yeah, like, that's also <laughs> honest, you know. Ferrari are just unable to deliver a championship challenge and sustain it through the season like we've seen. But uh, do you actually see that the narrative has changed from Hamilton versus Vettel? to Hamilton versus Max Verstappen and this is something one of our listeners Yash Gosalia also tweeted to me during one of the races and uh, Max Verstappen's already started his psychological warfare with Lewis Hamilton via the press and uh, Verstappen said that a lot of good drivers could have won five titles with Mercedes not unless you're Lance Stroll or uh, Romain Grosjean maybe <laughs> but yeah I get his point but you know what Verstappen said is actually the harsh truth about Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes and Formula 1. Yeah, the point I would disagree with Verstappen on was that when he said that Hamilton has never had pressure from his teammates, I actually think the opposite of Q is true. Uh, because Hamilton has faced and beaten Alonso, Button, Rosberg and all World Championship winning teammates. In Hungary, moments before the Formula 1 qualifying session started, Max Verstappen was glued to watching the MotoGP qualifying session, where we all know Marc Marquez took pole position by two and a half seconds. And congratulations on your first pole in Formula 1, Max. We've of course missed wishing you that. Finally, about time. Congratulations. But Kunal, I have to ask, what do you make of Red Bull Racing's headache with Pierre Gasly? Well... At this moment, I really wish I could go give Pierre Gasly a hug and let him know that he's actually doing a decent job because I don't think too many people are telling him that these days or, you know, this, this season for that matter. And of course, I would also tell him to remember to believe in himself and that the results would come. And yes, the, the most important thing, I would tell him to not read any of the articles in media. But do tell him to keep listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, there are a lot of people constantly wanting to play the role of Helmet Marco. You know, there is this crazy eagerness to demote Pierre Gasly and, you know, promote either Alexander Albon or Danny Kivat. It's way too high, this whole eagerness that we are seeing on social media amongst pretty much every fan. Yeah, and the ridiculous thing is that this whole cycle will just go on and on and on repeating if Albon or Kivat fails to perform. And fail to perform in like just two or three races. You know, everyone's just so impatient that maybe Helmut Marko's impatient as well. Who knows? But it's it's just sort of not the right way to deal with a driver and his career. By the way, Danny Kival has become very bold. Uh, Kunal, I saw him imitating Helmut Marko after his podium in Germany. I must admit that I thought that the imitation was very poor. Uh, I think Vettel can do a much better job with the imitations. <laughs> but full marks for, you know, just some, spunk. Some, yeah. Something Sebastian Vettel is unbeatable at. World <laughs> champion at. For now. <laughs> yes, Danny Kivat's become a father. Sebastian Vettel is about to become a father for the third time. 
Congratulations, Seb, yes. for the third time, literally. And Kunal, I must say that Vettel's ability to just stay under the radar and keep his private life away from the media is commendable. Like, how does he do it? Okay, so before we switch to talking about Sebastian Vettel, there's something more in Gasly. So, I doubt that Red Bull Racing have an immediate solution to replace Pierre Gasly. Uh, it might be a little too early for Albon and then we all know that there is a lot of history with Danny Kivat. Yeah, I liked uh, Hamilton's suggestions though. Uh, he said that Alonso should just like race in place of Gasly at Red Bull Racing. Frankly, for all their gives you wings talk, I think they should just give Fernando Alonso's Formula 1 title aspirations a cockpit, <laughs> if nothing else. But, you know, here's the strange thing. Everyone wants Fernando Alonso back into Formula 1. It's Christian Horner, it's Toto Wolff, it's Lewis Hamilton, it's Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel. Whether you talk about the drivers or the team management, everyone wants him back. But nobody wants him in their team. Or (laughs) none of the drivers want him as their teammate. So, I don't know eventually if Fernando's ever going to come back. But this is the irony. Everyone wants him, but literally nobody wants him. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, honestly, given uh, Hamilton's comments on Gasly, I don't think they're going to be very good friends at all now. (laughs) If Hamilton's friends with anyone, that is. Yes, I've, in fact, just remembered of Hamilton's best friend from a long time ago, Nico Rosberg, also the 2016 Formula 1 world champion. He was also the first driver to appear on the podcast. This was, what, way back in 2013? I remember I was just a listener of the podcast back then. Yes, yes. We've actually been famous since before 2013, literally. How modest of you, Kunal. (laughs) So, Nico Rosberg's behaving like a typical YouTuber. I mean, he's making these outrageously strange statements against Botas and in favour of Max Verstappen, sort of against Lewis Hamilton and in favour of Esteban Ocon. And by the way, I spotted him wearing a earring, just like Lewis Hamilton. That sounds a little, yeah. seems a little strange to me. But I do like some of Nico Rosberg's insights. I mean, uh, they, they're nice because they give a perspective on the sport and our driver sees, you know, incidents on track or an FIA penalty or something of that sort. But I really believe he's overdoing all of this to sort of keep getting attention. Kunal, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that I think Nico Rosberg is going to be the new Jacques Villeneuve in our lives. Just you wait and watch. And both of them are actually one-time Formula 1 world champions. Yeah, one time and once upon a time. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I think we're going to start a what Nico Rosberg said this week section as well. If he keeps going at it this way. given how much he speaks. Yeah. but, But okay, I am going to write to Nico Rosberg and see if he can reappear on our podcast. It would be just so much fun to talk to him again. Yes, Kunal, do your thing. But you know what? I really want to talk about Sebastian Vettel. He's literally the new Captain Planet in our lives and Formula One's life. Uh, Because in the post-race conference in Hungary, he actually requested journalists to clear their own plastic bottles and help clean up the conference room. Kunal, I think Sebastian Vettel is literally the world humility champion, without a doubt. He is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I really like his old school ways, you know. Like, we remember in Germany, we saw him using a cloth to wipe his steering wheel and visor. And we don't really get to see drivers do that very often. So his old school ways are so endearing, you know. Yeah, maybe Vettel's getting old, you know, turning old. (laughs) He's getting glasses and all of that. We don't know yet. But if Vettel really wants to be Captain Planet, I believe he's racing in the wrong series. He should be racing in Formula E, the supposedly greener racing series. And I hope we really haven't triggered this whole uh, rumour that Sebastian Vettel could be on his way to Formula E. Especially (laughs) how everyone's asking him to retire or 
again impatience no but you know to be honest i don't think he'll do very well there uh in a fun rc car fight with charles leclerc he was just spinning around and crashing around oh you mean the radio control video that one yeah, of the yeah, yeah. tv broadcasters yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was actually a strange video i mean i liked how sebastian vettel created a lot of commotion when he wasn't winning and Charles Leclerc literally won everything that was there to win. <laughs> Signs of times to come, don't you think? I think uh, David Croft was quite cheeky when he told Vettel that one should quit when they're ahead. You know, <laughs> that was really below the belt. But good of Vettel to still continue, show resilience, and then get back to his winning ways. I must say that the battle between the two Ferrari drivers did get a bit too serious towards the end, though. I mean. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel said that Formula 1 should scrap post-race interviews and instead have drivers racing the you know radio controlled cars after a race. And honestly if that actually happened not that it will. I think Lewis Hamilton will just win everything because we all know that he's a former radio controlled car champion as well. Oh uh, by the way Leclerc's had two spins in the last two races. Uh, in Germany he spun out to take Mercedes's advertising banner <laughs> out. <laughs> and in Hungary he spun and he hit the wall in Q1. Forget the spins, I mean that's fine, but I noticed something else he does after the spins. Gunal he speaks to himself over the team radio in third person. Wow. Okay. Ladies, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, this is why Mithila co-hosts the Inside Line F1 podcast. uh you know she researches and finds all these smaller and funnier and finer elements of the sport and this is exactly why you should keep listening to us every single week thank you guys he couldn't have said it any better <laughs> <laughs> okay since we're talking about the ferrari drivers i noticed that a former ferrari driver kimi raikkonen he actually showed extra aggression when sebastian vettel tried to overtake him in uh, i think germany and probably was it in hungary no it wasn't in hungary in germany and uh, of course then we saw sebastian vettel make a rare on track pass on charles leclerc in hungary but well, i think the main point here is that sebastian vettel is not used to overtaking raikkonen without support from the team radio <laughs> <laughs> all of ferrari's team orders oh that. yeah by the way we all know of mercedes's fiasco in germany and no i'm not referring to the wrong pit stop calls but if their ambition to have their uh, you know the netflix film on their 125th year in motorsport and 200th race in formula 1 all those big numbers oh yeah fancy numbers and i know hamilton said that he won't let netflix use the footage from germany but i really hope somehow mercedes do i mean it'll add a very interesting dimension to the show mercedes possibly at their worst race of the season you know now this really makes me wonder you know what race would ferrari choose for their netflix special episode like they're making mistakes every weekend so maybe the choice is not all that tough for all <laughs> i mean the honest answer or the obvious answer would be monza but you know we know we know what they did last year in monza as well so i don't know but the most interesting comment that i read about the german grand prix was on our facebook page from Ancisto Basu and pardon me if i got the name not pronouncing correct so he wondered why the FI did not disqualify or penalize all the drivers for driving dangerously in the german grand prix <laughs> that's a very good question and you know they were really treacherous the conditions and more specifically turn 16 
in the midfield, there were two drivers in great form, Carlos Sainz and Kimi Raikkonen. Kunal, Sainz is only five points away from Gasly in the Drivers' Championship. I'm really, uh, I'm sure Red Bull Racing would be wondering what good they got from letting go of Sainz. I mean, he could very well have been in the Red Bull Racing car next to Verstappen. That's an interesting point and, you know, lost cause. That's what we would say in, in the case of at least Red Bull Racing. And uh, Carlos Sainz already scored more points in the 12 races with McLaren than Fernando Alonso did in his four years with McLaren. Now, that's literally the story of McLaren's recovery in 2019. And, you know, to be honest, Sainz seems to be enjoying himself in the car. He's cracking all these beer jokes and singing Michael Jackson songs on the radio. And it's good to hear him do all that. Yeah, I think that's just a cue uh, to invite him onto our show. But, you know, that's his audition to be invited onto our show. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I must tell you guys, and Mithila knows this, but getting a McLaren driver is probably more difficult than getting Mr. Chase Carey himself on the Inside Line F1 podcast. We will still try, guys. Anyway, Kimi Raikkonen had steering wheel issues again. And uh, this time, it was actually an issue that we all face. Uh, His steering wheel was exposed under the sun, as we all know, and it became a little too hot for the Iceman. By the way, Raikkonen's ruled out a role in Formula 1's management. Uh, He said there's more politics in Liberty Media than in most countries. (laughs) Hilarious. He's actually honest. And I'll tell you, you know, if Raikkonen actually stood for elections to become the next CEO of Formula 1, he would win hands down. I think if Raikkonen stood for any election of anything, he would win hands down. But no, Kunal, let's not turn this into an episode where we discuss how Raikkonen could be like president and vice president (laughs) and all of that. Uh, Let's move to the closing notes. So Renault claimed to have a power output of 1000 bhp. Well, I don't think anyone can have a better response to that statement than Max Verstappen's. So I'm not even going to give it a try. But... uh, And I I must say, I mean, uh, one big memory from Hungary 2019 is going to be the fight between the Toro Rosso drivers. Uh, I'm pretty certain that Gunther Steiner would be using and showing that uh, video clip to Kevin Magnussen and Romain Grosjean in the team briefing in Spa. And of course, guys, uh, we must tell you that the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, we will be there in Spa. We're going to try and bring you some paddock specials, so please try. No, we will bring you. We will bring you. (laughs) Uh, So for now, uh, here's Lucien's Moments in Time from Hungary. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today, we should look back on the history of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Given that this is the second year of these race previews, I will deliberately avoid repeating in detail the same and most common knowledge. You know, like Bootsen's final career win in 90, Mansell's 89 win in that slingshot move past Senna using Johansson in the Onyx as a distraction, Schumacher's masterclass in 98, Damon Hill's extremes at the track, and Button's amazing 2011 win. Ricardo Patrese was a gun at the Hunger Roaring, yet he always found bad luck. From a hold radiator in 89 when he had been leading, to spinning out of the lead in 92 after starting from pole. He was, however, to get his final career podium there in 93 for Benetton. In recent years, this has been a track for Hamilton and Vettel. Lewis has won six times, and surprisingly, Sebastian has only won twice. Kimi Raikkonen in 2005 and Daniel Ricciardo in 2014 are the other current racers who have won in Hungary. There have been four first-time winners, Damon Hill in 1993, the mighty Fernando Alonso in 2003, 
Jensen Button in 2006 and Heike Kovalainen in 2008. Nigel Mansell would win his one and only Formula One title in true Mansell style. Late race concerns saw him pit with a suspected puncture and he would finish second to center, but take the title, complete with the, by then, infamous victory limp as it was called, which did turn out to be a genuinely broken foot. There have been some mega crashes, notably Ralph Furman Jr. in 2003 in practice. He missed the race and the following one too, such was the impact upon his body, not to mention the car. This twist of fate was to give Hungary its one and only native driver the Formula 1 race. Zolt Baumgartner would make a couple of races that year in the Jordan and then he raced for Minardi the following year. A retirement in 03 and a 15th place in 2004 were hardly the glittering prizes to give to a home crowd, but at least he got to race on home soil in the elite category and to this day is the only Hungarian to race in Formula 1. In 2007, we saw an inter-team rivalry that was simmering between Hamilton and Alonso boil over. Hamilton, disobeying team orders in his first season, refused to let Alonso have his agreed-upon track position in qualifying. So, Nando got his revenge by blocking Hamilton in the pits, costing him his final flying lap. Hamilton had been on pole, Nando took it off him, but was later penalised, which ultimately cost him a shot at victory. At the time, not many knew what was really going on, but Mark Priestley's book tells all, and a young upstart of a driver that Hamilton was at the time was to actually tell Ron Dennis to F off and never to interfere with him again. Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line. Catch you later. Thank you, Lucien. Yes, Hungary is a special place in the world of Formula One, special history that it always ends up creating. And it's actually so strange that a track that otherwise isn't the most exciting for racing has just so much history associated with it. So many drivers have scored their first wins. Hamilton has now won seven times. Verstappen got his first pole. And of course, I also remember Kovalainen's sole Formula One victory here as well. And guys, uh, we know Formula One's on a summer break, but worry not, the Inside Line Formula One podcast is not on a summer break. Guys, we're going to keep bringing you all the stories from the world of Formula One. So remember to keep tuning in every week. We're here. Adios. Adios.